Well, hello. I'm Andrew Crabtree, and welcome to The Dairy Dive. Today, we're talking with Talia Danzinger of VAS. Buckle up, because we're diving deep. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days you wonder if I ever milk cows. It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The Dairy Dive starts now. Well, we are back again. Uh, Like I said a minute ago, I'm Andrew Crabtree. I'm uh, co-host of this show. And uh, we just got back from World Dairy Expo. I actually had the privilege and the opportunity to meet a couple of you admitted Dairy Dive fans at the show. So that was nice. Um, Had a good time. Had some cheese. Uh, But one of the coolest things, for Master's Choice at least, that happened at the World Dairy Expo was the World Forage Analysis Super Bowl. So I'm sure many of you out there are familiar with that show and and the Forage Super Bowl. But for those of you that aren't, this is uh, maybe the biggest forage analysis lab sample competition for silage corns and different grasses and DMRs and things like that too, but for our purposes, uh, corn silage. Uh, It's one of the biggest competitions in the world. It quite literally is the Super Bowl of that. So we we were fortunate enough to have three farms that plant master's choice submit master's choice samples that placed in the top 10 so three of our samples of our corn hybrids were in the top 10 at the super bowl and we also actually we had two of those were in the top five so really strong showing at the world forage analysis super bowl so that was fun uh there's a video up on our facebook page that uh, scott goes into some details on that so if you want to head over to master's choices facebook you can see that but yeah, it was a good time. Uh, we're gone. Scott's already on the road for the next the next thing. Uh, so I'm introing this interview without him. So Scott, we miss you. Love you. Uh, but today we're like I said, we're gonna we're gonna feature Talia Danzinger of VAS. And if I'm gonna be honest with you, we uh, we started off our interview with some technical difficulties. Yeah, I don't need you were muted for the first part of that yeah, answer. That was, that was, that weird. was odd. We're just gonna. Right, All right. I'll take a little breath. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, we, we had some good laughs. <laughs> Scott makes a shocking admission. Dumb. I'm dumb. But somehow, through all of that, we persevered. And we recorded an interview, and thus a podcast episode was born. Uh, we hope you enjoy that interview. And with that, here is Scott and Talia. So we are going to bring in our guest today. We're going to be talking about stuff that I know nothing about, but have a desire to learn a little bit more about data and technology. And so we have a guest with us that works with uh, VAS, Talia Danzinger. And so welcome to the podcast, Talia. Yeah, thanks for having me. So start off, kind of tell us who you are and who VAS is. Sure. So I am the manager of training and education for VAS, and VAS is a dairy data and software company. We collect data on all different aspects of the farm, whether that is uh, feed or herd management itself. We have a number of different softwares that we can use on the dairy. And really, we serve to both collect and then disseminate that information in a way that is useful to farmers. And I have a really awesome role as the manager of training and education because I get to play a part in helping people utilize that data as well as look to the future for new insights. 
So when we are working with that data and trying to determine uh, what farmers really need, we can take that next step and say, we've identified some gaps here and look at what we need to create to make that next generation of herd management. I would say that I am a true cow addict. Uh, so I actually have my own small string of milking cows and I work as a herdsman on a robotic dairy on the weekends um, that I used to have some uh, ownership in that dairy. And so now I get to live with a foot in both worlds, which is really the best place for me to be. So define small. Small? small oh, gosh. Stream. I think I have like six milking cows now in a number Okay. Of <laughs> All right. I mean, so Master's Choice has a very long history uh, with uh, the Amish community. So we are used to some herds of that size. So that's good. Six. That's uh, six more than I've got. And that's so uh, that's I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm fortunate to have um, a, a dairyman that's willing to house those cows for me and let me just kind of play with my genetics there. It really keeps there it real go. for me. That's fun. That's got to be a little bit of fun. So, so in your article that I had read, uh, kind of your summary statement that I thought was uh, really good and kind of really brings it all kind of g- great place to start. It says that, uh, you know, basically bringing data to the center of your decision making process can help you find the best solution for your herd and business. So what do you mean by that? Sure. So when we say data, I think people really think about things like milk production or a somatic cell. We're going to make a decision on an individual cow. But we can use data in a lot of different ways that's really transformative to how we manage our dairies. Data should be considered um, to be on the feed aspect. So what are our refusals looking like? What are our mixing errors? It should be things like how much labor do we use on the farm? Is that acceptable for our farm size? We need to be using data to compare ourselves not only to other farms of our size in the industry, but also our past performance. Where have we been and where do we want to go in the future? So when we consider all of those different data points and bring them together, if we truly listen to the cows, what they're telling us, and look at the path that we want to go down as a dairy as we plan for our future, I think we can make those really informed decisions that help us uh, be the next dairy of the future. That's good. So you mentioned something really good there that you also talk about in the article, and that's listening to listen to data and cows. So what do you mean by that exactly as far as data and cows? Because I think, I think that's maybe a fear, right, for some dairies that you, you – this is obviously your area of expertise. But I would think some dairies would feel that if they're too data-focused, maybe they're not going to really be able to make the decision on the cows. And most dairymen provide – you know, really take pride in the fact that they know their cows well and they listen to their cows and how the cows respond. But there's an element here of listening to both, I'm guessing. Yes, Uh, I'm really glad that you bring that up. I think a lot of people, well, most farmers are in the business because we truly love cows. We love being cow side. We love taking care of our cows, our crops, our farms, the land. And so when you are somebody who is really hands-on with that aspect of the farm, data can seem a little bit intimidating. And all of the parts of our farm, whether that would be our fields or our cows themselves, are creating data points all the time. Every day, a cow is creating data points in the milk that she produces, her somatic cell, whether or not she's pregnant, what lactation she is. So we're getting tons of different data points on that cow, and it's the responsibility of our herd management software to collect and store that data for us. Um, Probably gone are the days where we could really do this via paper and have a really good grasp on our farm. So we need to consider those data points that those cows are producing. Um, but also those data points that could inform what direction our herd is headed. A really great example of this is fatty acid data in our cows. Oftentimes, we can tell from the fatty acids that cow puts into the fat in her milk 
how her rumen is functioning and what direction she's going to go tomorrow, whether her milk production is going to go up and down. So our cows are constantly trying to give us feedback on how we are doing as managers. It's just whether or not we know how to pick up on the messages that they're sending us in the data versus looking at that cow and saying, you know, she's not so bright eyed today. I think I need to go check her temperature or do something along those lines. Yeah, it's you know, I think that that's a really great point. It seems like it would be able to. I mean, I think that if you're a, a good cow person, you're a good cow person. I, you know, I don't know that, um, you know, they, that data is not going to make that worse. It's only going to make it better because you're going to be able to make those tie-ins. Even, and then the data is going to probably most of the time support what you think was going on. But, you you know, maybe take a little bit of guesswork out of some of it, I think, would, would be an occurrence that would go on with dairies in this kind of a situation. Yes, for sure. And we're starting to get data in on our cows that goes beyond what we can just um, look at some raw data and make a decision when we consider the data coming in from our activity monitoring systems and how we can use that data in context with when that cow freshened, when we bred her last, uh, whether or not she is on our do not breed or cull list. Um, We just can't be responsible for taking all that information into our own brain and crunching those numbers and making that decision. We really need to consider the the different tools that we have in the industry to aggregate that data and to get some insights from it. Um, we can make so much more informed decisions now with the technology that we have. Yeah, that's for sure. That's that's wonderful because we want to get better. I mean, we all want to get better, and this is part of doing that. So one of the things you had mentioned, too, um, in your article is talking about exploring your options. And so what does a farm need to ask themselves when it comes to this? Yeah, I think it's really important to explore our pain points. And we also have to be careful not to get too wrapped up in uh, what's the next big big thing in the industry. It could be that there's a new technology coming out and um, lots of farms are adopting it. But that doesn't mean it's the right fit for our dairy. So really examining a couple key pieces here uh, our internal goals where do we want to be as a dairy? Um, Not every dairy's goals look the same. Some dairies are going to have really big goals on milk production based on their milk market, and other farms might have bigger goals on components or milk quality or genetics, depending on what the market for those animals look like. Even just considering that goal first as we make some of these technology decisions is so important to uh, highlight the right path for this dairy. It's not the same for every dairy. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, because a key, another key aspect there would be, you know, you mentioned too, is calculating your ROI. And I think that that, when I first read the the headline as I was reading that article, I thought, well, that seems kind of obvious, but, but really it does probably get ignored quite a bit. And as you read a little more, it made a little more sense, but it's easy to overlook that as an aspect, um, as being, you know, being too simple, but it's really important, right? I mean, you need to really make sure you're doing this. Yes. And when I work with dairies, um, we can be calculating ROI on really small changes. It's not always technology. One of my favorite examples of this is looking at dry period length. Um, It might be that we think that a 50-day dry period length is appropriate for our farm. One really cool thing is using our herd management software, we can run some queries and see what cows perform best. Is it cows with a 50-day dry period, a 60-day dry period? And we can manipulate our protocols as to when we're going to dry cows off, when we're going to move them, based on how cows perform best in our dairy. So if we're going to do something like change dry period length, that costs us almost no money. 
And we can really calculate a huge ROI if all we do is add five or 10 days to the dry period and we see a response of five or 10 pounds of peak milk in that next lactation. So that's a really simple example of just something like a protocol change. But we need to be applying this to all the decisions we make, whether that is cow-related, agronomy-related, or that investment in that next piece of technology. That's good. You know, I think that, you know, dairymen that are listening to this, don't, don't take this the wrong way because it's not just dairymen. It's, it's all farmers that I know or most of them. They're really good at what I would call uh, napkin math, right? That's sitting down at, or at the breakfast table or lunch or whatever, and you're penciling the stuff out and you're work, looking at things. But quite oftentimes, and, and some of them are very good at it. I mean, they've, they've got it down, but quite oftentimes it's going to not factor in every aspect, particularly when you're looking at ROI. And so I think that the, you know, the more data points we can have and look at and make sure that it's actually returning at what we assume that it is, it's just going to make your so make it so much better and so much more profitable in the long run. Right. And ROI isn't always really simple. It's not always just seeing additional milk production. It could be things like reduced culling or needing one less person to perform labor around the farm. And when we're making these decisions, we need to look at that all-encompassing piece of ROI and look at all the different ways that that investment might return to us. We talk a lot about um, some of the three big key parts of making this decision. Is that going to bring you time, money, or peace of mind? And ROI can come in all three of those forms. We have to determine what makes the most sense for us to say yes and then keep moving on with that, uh, that decision. Uh, that's so good. That that's something the factor that particularly that third one, right? The peace of mind does it not get uh, enough attention and and the stress that it can cause on particularly farmers that are already generally pretty stressed as it is, you know, with everything going on. So um, that's a really good point. And so so one of the other things you you bring up is uh, bring data to implementation's forefront. Like that statement, but what's it mean? Yeah, um, I think an easier way to say this is you can't manage what you don't measure. So if we're going to make a change here, we need to decide before that change is made how we're going to measure success. What are those specific data points that we are going to be looking at? Um, A really easy example of this would be looking at some kind of change associated with trying to improve pregnancy rate. We might want to look at things like days in milk at first breeding and how well we are adhering to our voluntary waiting period. We might want to look at things like preg rates on not only the herd overall, but that first service conception. Um, so lots of different factors that we have to identify before we even set out. Otherwise, we don't know how to measure success and we'll not know when to say, yes, this decision really benefited us or no, we've got to pull the plug. You know, we're not going to keep going down this path anymore. Yeah, absolutely. A manager I had a long time ago used, uh, used to tell me, inspect what you expect. Right. You should always be looking at even if you're 99 percent sure that you have a great employee that's going to do their job. You still need to inspect them. You still need to look and just make sure. I mean, you expect this. So inspect it. And so this would be kind of in the same vein. You know, don't just assume things are going a certain way. I think the idea of you know, the way that you set that up was and said that was perfect. Uh, so as I'm listening to you and it's kind of how I thought it would go is just you've mentioned so many different things that we can look at and so many different things that we can measure. Um, so how in the world do you bring it all together? So, how, you know, how does it all tie together and, and what do we, you know, what does it look like and how does it all work? Sure. 
Yeah, I think that is what's really intimidating too, as we start out on this process. Um, it It's just a wide horizon of technology that we can be investing in, in data that we can be looking at. And so it's really hard to make a decision on this is the piece we're going to move forward on and this is what we want to look at. Um, one thing that I also say to people is that the interaction between data points is often more important than a single data point. We really need to be looking at that entire story of data and it, it really creates a feedback loop for us. You know, we make a decision, we think we're going to move forward and we pick out those data points that we're going to be listening to and we continue to create go or no-go checkpoints. Are we advancing like we expected? Is this the return we expected to see? If not, when do we need to intervene and take a different path? Um, having all of these things set in stone uh, before we make a big investment or a big protocol change on the dairy is really important so that everybody's on the same page to work through that change. Um, but if we can get a really solid plan laid out as to what we expect the return on investment to be, what we're going to monitor to make sure that we get that, and how exactly we're going to implement this big change, I think that takes a lot of the scary out of these big decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's going to eventually what's, you know, anytime we do anything new, we you're uncomfortable. But uncomfortable generally leads to good things. Right? It's it, it's uncomfortable for me to run half a mile. I assume. I haven't done it in a very long time. But I assume I'd be very uncomfortable trying to do that. But it's going to make me better in the long run. And this is some of the things is that, that you're talking about is you're, you're probably going to be a little uncomfortable, but don't be intimidated. And that's why they have people like you to be able to work with them through this process. So really appreciate that. For sure. Um, change is always hard, but our industry has been built on change. We used to have an expectation of our cows that they would make, you know, three to 5,000 pounds of milk if we look back at the early 1900s. Now our world record holding cow made 78,000 pounds of milk in a single lactation. We went from milking by hand to milking with machines. Um, if we don't change, uh, there's, there's just no future for our industry. So we really need to look at those changes and say, what makes the most sense for me and my dairy? And what's going to keep my farm in the family for that next generation? Absolutely. Innovation is a key. Right? For sure. And that's why it's so fun to be in this industry. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So, so if somebody really, uh, this really piqued their interest or they think I need to be working on this or maybe they're in the process of it. How does somebody get a hold of you if they have any questions? Sure. There's a few different ways to get a hold of me or the support team at VAS. Uh, first off, if we're looking at trying to create some changes right within our Dairy Comp software, um, trying to manipulate our herd management systems to make sure that uh, what we're doing makes sense and um, is executed correctly, calling our support line directly with VAS is uh, fantastic. Otherwise, to reach me, um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Talia Danzinger. Otherwise, uh, talia.danzinger at vas.com. Always feel free to email me, and I can try to get you in touch with the right person. Yeah, I would definitely suggest uh, that's how. <coughs> I just got really choked up about that. I don't know what just happened. Hold on. There was like literally nothing that I could have choked on. Anyway. But, uh, you got me real emotional. You know, you got me real emotional. Yeah, data is such an emotional it's topic. Just, it's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Calm down. It's the most, it's like the farthest <laughs> from emotional topic. <laughs> it's, it's like, there should be no emotion, right? Okay. All right. We're going to bring this back in. 
Okay, so that's great. That's a great way they can get a hold of you. And uh, that's how I actually ended up connecting with Talia was on that. She has some great stuff that is um, on LinkedIn. Share some great articles on there. Uh, definitely connect there. Um, and then also, if you want to connect more with us for the Dairy Dive podcast, you can check us out on any of the platforms where you get your podcast now. Or you can also check out our Facebook, Instagram, a lot of YouTube material out there, some, some older, some newer um, definitely suggest you do that and connect there, or you can visit seacorn.com and the podcasts are on there. But again, thank you for being a guest today. I hope that uh, you enjoyed it and we'd love to have you back sometime. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. Take care. Well, that's it for today's episode of the Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format. And if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review a good one we hope Uh, but those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community so thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time